Welcome to The Step by Pop Sugar, a podcast for and about unstoppable women presented by Sorrel Footwear. I'm author and speaker Lovey Jai Jones. On last season, we heard inspiring stories about amazing women who stopped at nothing to achieve their dreams. This season, we're celebrating bold, brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in, fight for the greater good, and help their communities to take the next step forward. So join us. When we see injustice closest to us, like at our job, in our industry, or even in our personal relationships, stepping up sometimes starts with taking a step back. There was one time that I went to this programming party in Santa Monica, California, and I walked into the room and it was all men and they were talking about coding. And I said, hey, what are you talking about? And they said, you wouldn't be interested. That's the voice of supermodel, actress, and software engineer, Lindsay Scott. She's worked with Calvin Klein, Victoria's Secret, and DKNY all while breaking barriers as a black woman in the industry. After she witnessed some of the most toxic parts of the industry, she decided to step away from it and dive headfirst into a career in tech and as an actress. And when she first did, many didn't believe she had the STEM experience that she does, simply because women can't be coders, right? Nah. Now she's speaking up about what needs to change. Lindsay, welcome to The Step. Thanks for having me, I'm excited. You are a software engineer and a supermodel and an actress, slight work. When did you realize your passions in all of these different areas? I started acting very young, uh, just in school, and um, I started doing competitions. And I, I knew that I loved acting enough that when I went to Amherst College, I knew that would be one of my majors. So I had time for two majors. I tried theater and computer science, and I just fell in love with computer programming. Why did you pivot your focus from acting to modeling to tech? What prompted the switch? Great question. <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to act after college. Um, that's what I wanted to do. But throughout the course of my time acting, I realized that I could also model in order to make some money while I was pursuing my acting career. So modeling was never my absolute number one goal. But once I started doing it, I loved it. I loved the posing in front of cameras and walking in the fashion shows. And doing those things felt like transforming into a different character almost. Mm. I, I did the Victoria's Secret show. I did uh, shows in Paris for Louis Vuitton. And my agents told me that this wasn't supposed to happen, that Black girls aren't supposed to succeed in Italy. This is unusual. I was the first African-American to land a contract as an, a Calvin Klein exclusive. And that was amazing. That was an incredible feeling because that day, I before that day, I hadn't achieved much as a model. I was literally standing out on a street corner, handing out flyers in the snow uh, for very little money in order to promote some sort of fashion brand. So I didn't expect to do any fashion shows that season. And when Calvin Klein called me and told me that they wanted me as an exclusive, that was completely unreal. And I was pinching myself for months. Um, so I loved modeling for a time, but then I started seeing certain things that I didn't like so much. So what toxicity did you witness or experience in modeling that caused you to want to step back from it? Well, there, there was plenty. Um, for me personally, I experienced uh, a lot of the racism in the industry where, for example, I would be told that I couldn't be booked for a job because they already had a Black girl in a show of 50 other girls, uh, one was too many. I mean, sometimes one was too many, two was often too many. And it was frustrating to have a career that was limited to me because of my skin color. For you as a model, when you were actively in the industry, what was the toughest moment that you had to go through, whether backstage, whether it is at a go-see, what were the times that were just really tough that you did not want somebody else to experience? 
at one point, I was in New York with my agency and they told me to go overseas to take some pictures for magazines in order to build my book. And so I lived in Europe for about a year. But when I came back, my agency wasn't answering my calls. (laughs) They weren't responding to my emails. So after a few weeks of that, I walked into the agency myself and they told me that they'd let go of me while I was away. So they ghosted you and then yeah, fired they you. Me. They they ghosted me. Um, yeah, and it it's kind of a strange situation to because okay, agencies don't hire you. Right, they're supposed to be working for you. So yeah, they fired me. But as a model, you have no rights, really. Mm. So there was nothing I could do because models are independent contractors. Unlike with acting, right. models can't have unions, and so these sort of things happen. For example, uh, and I never really thought about this until now, but they had me lie about my age. That was very, very important to my agents for some reason. Mm. And and even if you go into a modeling agency, they'll tell you – the first time I went into a modeling agency, I was 19. And they told me that they didn't want to sign me because I was too old. And when mm. you think about the way that they take these young girls from overseas and, and you put that together with the fact that they want you to – be younger on paper, it's very strange and, and suspicious in a sense that the industry values youth, uh, underage youth, uh, um, to a point where it's worth lying about. They would ask you to say you are much younger than you are. How many yeah. years did they ask you to be younger by? By, I don't know, six years. They would ask you to say you're six years younger? Yeah, yeah. And I still look young. I know I look young for my age. And I looked very young for my age then, uh, where people would assume that I was that age anyway. But it was horrible in a lot of ways to have to hide so much about myself. They made it, they stressed the importance of that being crucial to my career. And to have to not talk about the fact that I went to college, to have to pretend I came straight out of high school and had this wonderful high school experience where I was already grown up and model like, <laughs> as opposed to the real high school experience I had where I was awkward and and a late bloomer and very skinny and uh, and very shy. It was very emotionally taxing to not be able to form those connections with people, honest connections with people mm-hmm. that I worked with. That was a that was a really tough part of all that. And now I, I never really thought about it being potentially problematic because they made it seem as if it was so necessary to maintain youth. That industry has made age such a commodity. Right. And it's made this ideal of white, young, thin beauty, the ideal of society in a way. And because I wasn't uh, most of those things, they tried to get me as close as possible. So what made you then say, okay, I got to switch to tech? How did that transition happen? So when I was living in Berlin, that's when I started iOS development. So I bought my first iPhone and wanted to figure out how it works. I think a lot of my interest in technology has been about getting these products and trying to figure out how they work on a deep level. Uh, For example, when I was maybe 12 years old or so, I got my first TI-89 graphing calculator and it came with a huge book of documentation and I decided to just start looking through it. And by doing that, I discovered how to make games on my own. Um, 
And at the time, I didn't even think of that as programming. It felt like playing a game. Making games can feel like playing games sometimes. So after looking through the documentation, I started to make my own apps. So when I came back to America and I found my agency dropped me and I managed to sign with a new agency, I realized that I had so little control over my modeling career and that maybe I couldn't trust that everyone had my best interest in mind. So I doubled down on the programming that year until I got into a position where I was able to start helping promote women and minorities in tech. And how was it making that industry shift? You know, how was it walking in rooms and being the only Black woman often, again. Yeah, it was difficult. I, and I. it took me a while for people to take me seriously because even if I told someone that I was a programmer, they'd kind of look at me a little funny and maybe laugh a bit and say, oh, that's so cool, like in a, in a way that they weren't expecting me to say that I was a programmer. And so it was sort of a novelty at first. And I didn't really have a resume to prove myself, so... That's when I took to the internet and started answering questions on Stack Overflow. I spent all day and night just answering questions in order to build up enough of a reputation on that site to prove that I was an expert in what I was doing until I I was able to get to the top 1% of all programmers answering questions on that site. Which is no small feat. Yeah, I just needed to have some sort of evidence (laughs) that I was worthy of being hired and It was so hard to be taken seriously until I was able to do that. And then I started writing tutorials and then I started uh, working for clients. And and eventually I'm in a position now where I'm able to get good clients and uh, work remotely and have a perfect uh, working situation for me where I'm able to make money as an app developer and still pursue my passion of acting um, as a career as well. And how have you made sure you owned any room that you're in as you are navigating tech? It's been difficult. For example, there was one time that I went to this programming party uh, in Santa Monica, California, and I walked into the room and it was all men and they were talking about coding. And I said, hey, what are you talking about? And they said, you wouldn't be interested. Wow. Tech, similarly, is not friendly to women and it's definitely not friendly to Black women. I think in both, there were times that I felt overlooked. In modeling, the worst feeling was I'd be waiting for a casting for maybe four hours. And then I'd go in to meet the casting director. They would look me up and down and just say, thank you, next. (laughs) And that would happen often. Luckily, with tech, people are more professional. But there are often times where I do feel overlooked. Mm. And was there a specific moment... um where you realized that your voice was needed in the industry? Well, what, what I was just thinking is, especially with this year, I've come to realize since George Floyd, with Black Lives Matter uh, coming to the forefront, uh, I had the realization that there were people still suffering in ways that I was suffering years after I thought that sort of behavior would have been done. Growing up, I went to this really fancy sort of preparatory academy where I was the only Black person for the first three years. And there were a lot of instances where people were ignorant about certain things. Like I, I, I would have some of my white classmates coming up to me to ask me to translate Nabonics for them. <laughs> or even there were certain teachers who would teach things about Black people that weren't accurate. Like they taught mm-hmm. us that Black people couldn't grow gray hair. 
(laughs) After June 2nd of this year, when these issues started coming out, all these social media pages started popping up where students were airing their grievances about the way that they were treated in my school, as well as other similar sort of schools. There were people that had been left behind in a sense. And so I, I felt more compelled this year than I have ever before to say something in order to help the people still in bad situations. Yeah. So how are you stepping forward to tackle some of these issues now? I, since then, I've been working with groups from my high school, from my college, even from my acting school now in order to make it a better place for the people who might be experiencing those things still today. In the fashion world, the issues are also still happening. After I came across this picture of these designers at this Disco Africa party in 2013. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about this party? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There were people, a lot of white people in blackface or dressed as slaves. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that no one was talking about this. And even there was an article about Dolce & Gabbana and they were at the party. And in this article about them being canceled for various controversies, this was never mentioned. And this article came out earlier this year. So I'm like, why is no one willing to post about this or talk about this? So I, I did post about that a couple of times. And after that, the Model Alliance reached out to me because they saw that I was trying to bring attention to some of the racial issues in the fashion industry. Model Alliance is made for models by models. So it's one of the only organizations currently trying to make models safer make sure that they have some recourse in certain situations that perhaps they never had that power in before. Uh, So for example, the Model Alliance helps address racial discrimination, sexual harassment, certain behaviors that agencies might take when it comes to restricting model diets and not paying them money that they're due. Model Alliance is like a protection organization trying to make sure that models aren't taken advantage of. Yes. You know, there are agencies promoting eating disorders. There are so many toxic parts of the modeling industry. So if I'm able to add my voice to that conversation, it's something that I want to do more of. You've been doing things to give back in general besides even Model Alliance. It seems to be something of importance for you to work with kids and programming. Yeah. So tell me more about your work around that. In general, I like working with kids to help them figure out who they could be, uh, the best version of themselves they can be when they get older. A couple of years ago, I actually organized a programming day for the Girl Scouts in LA in order to have a great group of female programmers who were mostly either computer science majors or women working in tech to work alongside and teach these young Girl Scouts how to do some web development in order for these young girls to have new role models that they could look up to and to see them being so great at something that we typically don't see women doing. Mm. It's interesting. I was looking up the statistics for this recently, and only 3% of programmers are Black women. Wow. So it's very rare for me to find other Black female programmers in tech. So to be able to inspire girls and women to stick with their job and to feel a bit more like they belong because they can see other women and girls in the same profession, Mm -hmm. I think it's been amazing to 
hear about those stories that people tell me of how I was able to contribute to that in some way. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break before we hear more from Lindsay Scott. Your outfit is about more than looking good. That's especially true of your shoes. Your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are, which is why Sorel Footwear has designed powerful shoes for those who get things done. From sneakers that move you around town to boots made for weathering any city storm or your next night out, Sorel Footwear is made to power you forward. Growing up, were you ever discouraged from entering any of these fields? No, not at all. My parents were very open-minded when it came to me pursuing anything that I wanted to. I think even from an early age, I hear that a lot of girls are discouraged from STEM careers, for example. But my parents never really made me realize that there was a difference between what boys and girls could do. So I, I was very lucky in that respect. That's amazing. What do you think your parents taught you that was most valuable about pursuing a career or three? (laughs) I think my father, especially knowing his history, um, inspired me in a lot of ways to go after the things that I wanted. He was from a small town in Virginia called Farmville. And in the 1950s, after the Brown versus Board decision, the town shut down the black schools. Mm. All of the black students were out of an education if they stayed in their town. Wow. Yeah. But my father left with a small group of the students and went up north to continue his education and eventually ended up at um, Harvard Business School where he met my mother. So, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he would tell stories of how he would stay up all night and just tap his foot because he knew that he had to work extra hard in order to get to where he wanted to be. When he was in Farmville, Virginia, and he was cleaning houses along with his other family members, white people's houses, they would tell him that one day, Moses, you'll be a great cleaner. (laughs) And he knew that that's not what he wanted for himself. But he was a programmer at a time when programming was very different. I think he did it in zeros and ones and and putting cards into machines. But yeah, he, he was a programmer too. He he really fought to get to where he eventually ended up. And um, he passed away a few years ago. And before that, he would often let me know how proud he was of me. And I still live day to day trying to do my best to follow in his footsteps. So from the very beginning, my parents put a lot of importance on education and just Having his example especially let me see that I could, if I put the work in, that I could reach my dreams too. What do you tell yourself in the moments when you hear no? Like, how do you move forward? I think it never hurts to try for the most part. So I try to enjoy the process as much as possible. So even if something doesn't work out, I learn along the way. And then if it does work out, then that's obviously even better. Absolutely. So you, your, your personal form of activism is just beginning to take shape. What do you still want to learn about making change? When it comes to activism, I've been speaking out about certain things for a while now, especially with, with technology and uh, the, the way that it's not as inclusive as I believe it could be. 
when it comes to the modeling, that's a new thing for me to speak out on because it took some time for me to overcome the trauma in a way and even overcome some of the brainwashing that came along with it. But the thing that I'm most concerned about now is the industry's treatment of young people. It's something I realized over time that there are a lot of elements of modeling that were very questionable. Oftentimes, the industry flies girls as young as 13 from mm. countries such as Russia and Brazil, Eastern Europe in general, to the United States to start their modeling careers where they're living in model apartments, unsupervised, maybe four beds in a room uh, where the girls are being um, overcharged for rent and are being forced to pay their agencies back through the work that they're doing. And when there's this situation where there's very young girls are basically locked into indentured servitude. I I felt like there was a point where someone had to start speaking out about it. It seems as if not a lot of people are listening. And I, maybe that's because we're dealing with models. They're beautiful young girls, and it's hard for people to, to sympathize with their plight. But these are still human beings in really dangerous situations that are often tasked to support their families through their work and become victims often in the process. Mm. When you speak up about issues on your social media platforms or on whatever platforms that you think you have, what pushes you to do it? When I speak out, I'm often thinking about the people who don't have the platform to speak out. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that I just have at least even a, a little platform to um, be able to speak out on behalf of them makes me feel compelled to speak up. So you've been visible as this coding model actress, but the tech piece is really significant. How have you seen your visibility impact young women who want to enter this field? It's actually incredible that so many young Girls and women come up to me and say that because of my story, they decided to learn more about computer science and eventually pursue a career in computer science. Mm -hmm. I wish that there were more people of uh, more women and people of color who were in technology when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. But I think that the more of us there are now, the more we can encourage the non traditional tech types to enter the world too and become a part of what is going to be probably the most important sector of the economy. So what do you think when young women of color, especially tell you that you inspire them to pursue STEM fields? I'm incredibly moved. It's hard to even voice how it feels to have an impact when I maybe I didn't necessarily start out expecting to have that sort of impact. Yeah. I just knew that this is what I had to do for myself in order to earn a living and to support my dreams. And it's just incredible that these people are able to have gained something from my story. It's, yeah, it's very touching. Now for our signature segment, we're going to do something called follow my lead. I'm going to give you three complete the statement prompts and okay. you're going to follow my lead and complete each sentence. Okay. All right. I feel my strongest when. I have to stand up for friends and family. Ooh, I love that. I want to step up when. I realize others are struggling to stand. I love it. All right. 
When I feel like I can't, I take a nap and then wake up and try again. Hey, that's dope. That is awesome. So let me ask you a few unstoppable questions. What is one key change that you want to see in the next five years when it comes to diversity in tech? If we get one in three programmers to be women, that would be definitely heading in the right direction. So what steps do you think you are a part of in making that change happen? Well, one, I am uh, counted in the ranks of women in, in technology and in programming. And two, the more of us that young girls can see, the more it's normalized and the more they'll think that they can do it too. So what would you say to people who are the first or the only in whatever spaces that they're in? Yeah, it can often be uncomfortable to feel like you don't quite belong, but someone has to be the first. Mm -hmm. And that first person is the one who can encourage so many others. So even if it feels a little difficult at first, it can become easier once you encourage change in that industry and, and attract more people like you by leading by example. Absolutely. I call it being the first domino. Oh, <laughs> I like that. When it comes to other people, other, say, women of color who are entering into environments that they were not traditionally a part of, and when they're entering into those environments alone, I, I hope that they think about not just their current situation, but about how much they can contribute to the next generation just by being present. Um, it takes someone to be the first. Mm. So what advice would you give to those who want to take the step forward for their communities? I'd say step forward, make that jump or that, not even a jump. If you just take a, a little step, sometimes you'll be surprised at how many people follow. I love that. Your work is really important. And you as a woman who is in tech, who is this person who's also gone through multiple industries with people who don't look like her and you still manage to make it through with your head held up high. It's super respectable. And I love the fact that you exist. And I'm hoping oh. the little girl somewhere who is looking at you and understanding that she can also take up this type of space. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you exist. Obviously, you're amazing at what you do. Yeah, I'm glad to have you as a representative for young girls also to look up to. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorel, making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, and tune in next week.